Our culture in the West is highly individualistic, and the consequences are now coming due. Being lonely in this time is normal, but as Christians, we have some other things to consider when we're lonely. We'll be talking about that today. Welcome to the Pilgrim Song. Hello and welcome to the Pilgrim Song, episode 32. I'm Alexander, and Charlie's not here, unfortunately, this week. But we still want to put out a podcast for y'all, want to help you start off your week on a really good foot. We hope you enjoyed last week's episode, which, again, we mentioned was a lot of fun. Uh, We're hoping to do a part two of that coming soon at some point. Uh, but we hope you enjoy it. If you haven't been able to listen to it, go back and listen to it. That's a good one. But this week, I want to talk about a subject that I mentioned in our Q&A, uh, something that has been a constant fear for me and a worry for me, and that is the feeling of loneliness. And seeing that I'm by myself uh, today, I think it would be one that's applicable for me to talk about uh, and just address. Loneliness is one of those issues that I think we've kind of ignored that we don't see it as really an issue. I remember seeing in some interview of Keanu Reeves, but he said that he was a lonely person. And Keanu Reeves, of all the people in Hollywood, he seems like a respectable, kind person. You know, you wouldn't expect him to be lonely. Um, But I think loneliness is just something we kind of ignore. I was reading in in preparation for this uh, an article from Scientific American, I'll leave the link to this article in the show notes. But this article was very interesting. And it talks about the effects of loneliness and even the consideration that like the upcoming generation of Americans are the loneliest that they've ever been. It's really unbelievable, some of these statistics. They say that loneliness has been a growing problem for decades, with some estimating that 61% of adults in the United States feel it. 61 majority of the country feels lonely. Additionally, you know, this was written around the time that COVID hit. So when we have the only opportunities, you know, uh, to have comfort or to go like go speak to other people and talk with other people, you have to keep at distance. There's always this concern. So you take a situation that's already really dangerous where everyone's feeling lonely as is throw in a deadly virus that just makes people all the lonelier. And this is the highest among young people that has been in a long time, as well as men, uh, guys who are listening to this, your guys are in really in a really dangerous position too. Because the isolation has caused a growing amount of suicides, particularly in males. Loneliness has effects on the brain. And like just, just like you know, food and other types of things can harm you, uh, loneliness also harms you. It's, they say also in this article that prolonged social isolation can even contribute to heart disease, stroke, or premature death. The effects of loneliness are not simply, you know, FOMO. These have genuine 
problems that can you know affect you and cause you to die early. So I want to talk about and address loneliness from a Christian biblical perspective and how we can handle it better. I'm not going to read a story from, for you today, but I'm going to kind of tell the story about, uh, and this story has been one that's helped me so much when I've dealt with loneliness for myself and when I struggle with it. And that is the story of Elijah post Mount Carmel. Now, Mount Carmel should be an incredible victory for God. That Elijah faces off against 900 false prophets and teachers. And God sends down fire from heaven. And all the false prophets are killed. And God brings rain. It should be just this wonderful, everyone in Israel has now turned back to the Lord. But the beginning of 1 Kings 19, we see the opposite. We see rather an incensed Jezebel turning and sending a message to Elijah that if I catch you here again, you're going to die. And Elijah's response in fear runs away. And he runs off and he goes off and he's fed by crows and then he flees even further, and he goes to Mount Sinai, Mount Horeb. And in this mountain, the Lord calls out to him and asks him, what, what are you doing here? And Elijah's response to it is that, you know, nobody fears you. Nobody cares about you. They've killed all those who believe in you. I'm the only one who's left. Elijah feels this overwhelming sense of loneliness, a place that probably a lot of us have felt before, whether it be in our spiritual work or walk or just generally in our lives, where we feel like we're social outcasts or we're outsiders, whether that be at our church or in our schools, workplaces, wherever else. Loneliness is something that's so real and it hits home for a lot of us. But the thing I've come to appreciate this story is that God, when he reveals himself, it's not in grandeur. <laughs> that he shows these incredible signs, whether it be an earthquake or these this winds that split rocks and all this stuff. But the way that the Lord truly appears is in a soft voice. God doesn't always just speak in these really loud tones. Sometimes it's hushed. And it's, it's important for us to listen and be willing to listen in those times when God is just speaking in kind of hushed tones. As the story goes on, God asks Elijah again, why are you here? Elijah responds with virtually the same response. I'm the only one left. And then God encourages him with a couple of words. He gives him a job. He's got some anointing to do. He's got to anoint some kings as well as his, uh, the one who's going to come after him, Elisha. So he's got that responsibility. But he also tells him that there are those who are in Israel that you're not alone. There are those who have not bowed the knee to Baal. Oftentimes in our loneliness, we get to a point where we feel like we are 
the only one who is doing the right thing, maybe the only one who is following God. Well, I want to encourage you a couple in a couple ways from this passage. Number one, when you are feeling lonely, I want you to think about how God has been operating in your life recently. I want you to think about the if you even if you're struggling with like friendships and stuff like that, consider the ways that God has continued to provide for you. The breath that he's put in your lungs this day, the opportunities he's given you. And just consider that in the subtle ways, God is there. And he doesn't always do everything in the most grandiose way, but he does. I mean, he showed the greatest act of love ever. So that confirms his care for you. But just additionally, how does he operate for you on a daily basis? Secondly, if you're feeling lonely, put some heart and soul and some work into an effort, you know, whether that be really putting your heart and soul into your job and making sure you're doing that to God's glory. I'd recommend you pick up a hobby. Um, COVID was kind of that time where people were starting to pick up things. I really love that. I love seeing people getting together with their spouse or whatever, making bread or, you know, I picked up cross-stitching, me and my girlfriend picked up cross-stitching, um, you know, sitting there and watching Netflix all day. I've been there. It's, it's not the healthiest place to be. Find something to do. Grow succulents. Um, learn to paint. I don't know, something. Just find something to put some effort into that you can glorify God with. And usually when we're working, that gives us this sense of purpose so that we don't feel lonely anymore. And then once you do that, you can start to get to know other people in your area who like to paint and do art. Uh, Maybe like you're like me, you got into disc golfing. If you there's disc golfing communities all over the United States, it's a growing sport. There's plenty of opportunities for you to get out and get to know other people who are engaged in the same hobbies or activities as you. God has given us a lot of incredible things that we can do with our lives and find community in. So we'd be seeking those things out. And ultimately, he's given us the church. And that comes into our third point. The conclusion of this story is not that God says, yep, you're just going to be alone. It's going to be me and you and out here. But beyond the comfort that God continuously provides, he also provides people. When the coronavirus pandemic originally started out, a lot of churches uh, shut down their operations at, or at least limited their capacity and, and operations for a little bit there. And, you know, everyone's still worried about the concern and concerned about the damage that that's done. And being a preacher at a congregation, I feel the same way. I still have some worries about what are the lasting effects from this. But that first Sunday back, remembering you know, I'm not a I'm not a big crier, but remembering like I'm tearing up for the opportunity to sing with my brothers and sisters for the first time in a while. That meant the whole world. And having that community back and remembering what it was that the blood of Christ that has brought us all together, that we can show this type of love towards one another. It was it was so wonderful. 
But I think even, you know, it's been a, it's been a while since we've been back. And I think that, that type of energy can fall off because people get used to it. Well, I see these people every week. Instead, we have to remember the entire society around us is literally dying of loneliness. So we need to be forming a close-knit community that's not based upon our Sunday mornings, but this is, I care about you outside of this congregation. I care about you all the time. When you need a friend, I'm going to be there for you. I'm going to be praying for you. I'm going to bring you a favorite dessert. I'm going to do whatever I can to help you. And perhaps you can get other people involved in your hobbies or uh, get them excited about work or something like that. But there are people who have not bowed down uh, to idols of this world. There are fellow Christians out there. And you can meet them over Zoom. You can meet them on Facebook. And you should be meeting with them at your local congregation. Use those places and those times to form community and remind yourself that even in your loneliest moment, you're not alone. Because there are people who love you and there's a community that loves you and cares about you. One of the wonderful things that God gives are these these deeply entrenched needs in all of us. That as much as society has tried to become individualistic, it's just not the way that humanity works. So we need to consider that. Am I living in my community, in my churches? Am I living like I'm trying to be uh, some animal out there wandering on my own? Or am I built... Am I seeking to be built up, you know, by these other people around me? Elijah needed that type of encouragement, and so do we. So just a couple of story or just a couple of thoughts from First Kings 18 and 19. Uh, if you want to go read that for yourself, I highly recommend it. Those passages have been, again, really encouraging to me and helpful for me. But as we come back, we're going to be talking about trusting God. Uh, when we're in situations of loneliness. And I hope that this will be encouraging to you. We'll be right back. As I mentioned going into the break, we're going to be talking a little bit about trusting God when you're alone. There is a, maybe, I don't know, just in culture and society, it seems like there is a constant need for you to be with someone. That there is a constant need for everyone needs to have a companion at all times. And if you don't have a companion at this very moment, then there is something wrong with you. I'm here to tell you that that's untrue. That there is times where you just need space on your own. And a lot of times, some of the growth you're going to do is when you're alone. And when you ha- you're alone with your thoughts and you have to learn, who actually am I? What do I care about? What do I 
need to know about myself? What do I need to know about my relationship with God? I'm in a very healthy and loving relationship right now, and I'm very thankful for that. But the times where I've spent single have taught me a lot about, you know, wh- where I was more desperate, when I was trying to rush into things instead of trusting God with my time. So I encourage you that if you're in a period right now where you feel a little bit lonely, you're not in a relationship or anything like that, just consider, number one, your relationship with God. How are you doing spiritually? Um, And it's not just measured by how many times you sit in a pew in a week or even how many times you read your Bible. Are you excited to read your Bible? Are you excited when you get to pray to the Lord of creation? Do you spend time meditating on his words and applying it to your life and making sure that Christianity is not a checklist for you, but that it is a genuine life change, a a life that is given over to the Messiah? We heard a really good lesson uh on, on this Sunday about God really has desired since the beginning your heart. And if you're trying to give your heart out to other things and even to other people, and that's the only thing you're giving your heart to, it's going to make for a real struggle. None of those other things can fulfill you. And as wonderful as they are, and the things that God puts on this planet, um, that make us happy they can make us happy temporarily but they do not they do not give us this lasting joy that only Christ can give you so consider if you're in a time right now where you're lonely and you have this opportunity to think about what my relationship with Jesus is have I really put him first in my life Do I consider his laws? Do I consider his mind? Do I consider the attitude I'm supposed to be wearing? What am I doing to grow in that? That's where be where I start. Just thinking about and asking yourself these questions. One of the things I'm really trying to encourage myself to do uh, and encourage others to do, uh, because with COVID hitting and all this stuff, people have been trying to go out and visit the outdoors more. And I think that's just awesome. And it's been super cool seeing people come back with their pictures from the Grand Canyon. I am very jealous. I want to go to the Grand Canyon very bad. Uh, but coming back with pictures of these wonderful sites and places they were able to go. And God's glory has been so tremendously shown. It's unbelievable. Even sitting here locally, I haven't been able to visit, go other places really, but just seeing a a really pretty sunset. It's been awesome. And those are the things that that make you sit down and consider that if even the sunset can fill me with this type of joy, this type of uh, purpose and meaning at the end of the day, How much more does God have planned for my life? Your times of loneliness 
they can be frustrating and discouraging. You can have some pretty severe FOMO. I'm not trying to uh, discount that. And I haven't been in a lot of other situations that perhaps you're lonely in. Um, so take what I'm saying with a grain of salt. This is just where I've been. And I want us to think about you know where where my position with God is. Because in reality, when we are in these periods where we feel lonely, um, God is going to be there with us through them. And the way I know that is because Jesus had these periods where he was lonely too. There were times where Jesus chose for himself, I'm going to go be lonely. I'm going to go so I can go speak with God. But I can't imagine those final days. There's, it seems like every time I read the crucifixion accounts, there's something else that hits me. And that's just kind of the way the Bible works as well. But thinking about the subject and the fact that in your most desperate time, when you're about to be killed, and not just killed, but killed in the worst possible way for something that you did not do, and all your friends run away. Who does he have to comfort him then? As people are spitting on him and mocking him and hitting him with reeds. As he's hanging naked on a cross, exposed for the world to see. People telling him, oh, you saved others you can't save yourself. Who's the only one who could really, he could really talk to was the one who never left him behind. And that was the father. Considering how important that relationship was to Jesus, who is God, how much more so should that relationship mean to us? Again, I'm not trying to trivialize your loneliness or trying to trivialize, you know, your place in life. But consider that the one that Jesus reached out to when he was in his darkest moment, not in what I would say would be the darkest day in all of human history, the place he reached out to, the place he looked towards, was towards the Father. So if you're feeling really lonely, I would encourage you to take a nice walk out in nature and to consider the plants and consider the skies and consider the animals. Uh, Consider all these things and the purpose and the time that God put into each one of them. And to consider the purpose and the time that he has put into you. That when looking through the entire universe, you're nothing but an insignificant speck. But in God's eyes, you're precious. And you're worthy of respect and dignity. He went to the cross for your soul. He loves you more than anything anything else on this planet. It's incredible to think about. It doesn't always just, it's not just going to magically make loneliness go away. 
but it does give us this incredible reminder that the God who created me has not abandoned me. He cares about me more than I could know. So, if you are going through a time of loneliness and you're really struggling, I would just encourage you to look at what the Lord has done for you and seek to trust Him. Because He brings us through things and they're all they're oftentimes discouraging. Um, but what they're what these trials and what these times are for is that it builds our faith. It brings us to put more trust in him because that's where trust belongs. And when we have the Lord, we will never truly be alone. In our final section of this podcast, I just want to go and to talk about uh, kind of the end of 1 Kings 19. But just this ultimate reminder that not only are you not alone because God is there, but you're not alone because there are other Christians with you. We're going to talk about that when we come back in just a couple minutes. In the Scientific American article that I mentioned earlier, um, again, that's going to be in the show notes, but in it, it talks about a British anthropologist named Robin Dunbar, and he said that humans have the uh, brain size, uh, the brain power to maintain about five close relationships. So that's, that's a pretty high number. And that's, that's a lot of people that you can be really close to, really intimate with. Um, and we, I think on this podcast, we've talked about Jesus kind of having a little bit of an inner circle. So even though while he had his 12 good friends, he did have his inner circle, those three. So we have five good uh, relationships. Uh, we can have uh, the brain power for that. But it continues in this that most of us fall woefully short of that number. Individuals with whom we can discuss important matters has been shrinking. Adults in the U.S. had three confidants in 1985 and compared to just two in 2004. And approximately one in four Americans reported having no close confidence in 2004. Nobody to confide in. Can you imagine that? Like... Honestly, it just gets sadder as we read on down through the article. It says that most recent data shows that one in five millennials have no friends at all. And a a survey released in 2020 found that 71% of millennials and almost 79% of Gen Z respondents report feeling lonely, a significantly greater portion than other generations. Deep friendships are becoming rare, especially among the young. Seeing that I am a relatively young person uh, and I love and appreciate technology, I know that technology is not the most helpful for building really close, deep relationships. It certainly in some ways contributes to the problem. 
But I think we also have to consider other ways that the children around us are not learning to be friends. And it's probably because us as older Americans or older people are not doing a good job in influencing on how to have good friends. Now, I'm talking particularly to the people of the church right now. <laughs> because I know that with COVID and with the things that have been going on, being hospitable or having people in your home, it's not the most convenient thing to do. There's always that worry that, you know, I'll cause an outbreak, all that type of stuff. But there comes a time where we have to make sure we're being an influence. There comes a time where we need to consider the effects this is going to have, not only on us, but those who are looking up to us. That if I'm not giving my time to be in other people's homes, to have other people into my home, if I'm not forming close relationships with people, that if I'm really struggling with something, then I'm going to go cry on the shoulder. That when someone else needs me, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be praying for them. That in the happy times, you're going to give me a call and we're going to rejoice together and we're going to have, we're going to, you know, I don't know, whatever people do to when they're happy. And when you're sad, I'm going to be there for you too. The young, young people of this earth are, are watching the older of us and seeing our relationships and seeing whether we're really close to each other. And I can, you know, I can already feel, I, I know a lot of people want to blame TikTok and they want to blame everything else. I'm not a fan of TikTok. But at the end of the day, we're going to be more influential than TikTok. And the ways that we have failed to cultivate meaningful, genuine relationships is going to affect people for the future. So, just some considerations. The Scientific American actually has some really, like, kind of helpful things uh, when it comes to making good relationships. Um, but I'm just going to give you some of my spitball friendship uh, takes. <laughs> Ma, um, we've talked about this a little bit on the podcast before, but vulnerability is such an important aspect and plays such an important role in this. Because being vulnerable is awful. Being real with people about your sin, being real with people about your struggle, being real with people about your past, that is a really awful position to be in. It's not fun. And it can hurt. And it's going to sting. But you need to find people who are going to tell you when you're sinning, hey man, you need to snap out of it. You need to pray for repentance. You need to know that what you're doing is violating your co the covenant that you have made with the Lord. And they do it in a loving way, but they do it in a firm way. You're going to need, you need friends who are going to give you wisdom, even when that wisdom isn't something you want to hear. 
You're going to need friends when stuff just starts going wrong. So much of the struggle of being lonely is when you suffer while you're lonely. And even in some cases in scripture, we see like Paul, for instance, struggling alone. We see Jesus struggling alone. But particularly in the Acts, when Christians are struggling, they're not by themselves. Now, when Peter's in prison, and you know he's alone in that situation, but all the rest of the church, they're gathered up together, and they're praying about it. Now, when they're being persecuted, they're not being persecuted simply alone. They're being persecuted together. That what they're doing is they have their community and they're sticking together. One of the things that I've seen um, being a preacher for only a little bit, but, uh, you know, I get I work the bulletin. So I put in prayer requests and stuff like that. Um, and I've appreciated people who are really honest and open with their prayer requests. But I've been in situations where something pretty rough is happening. And I'm, you know, because I have in the position I'm in, I get a little bit of a closer track or closer to the situation. And then when I ask, you know, can I, should I put this in the bulletin? Can I put this in the bulletin? People will say no. I don't know why that is. We have to be vulnerable and we have to know that the people who are reading this care. So being vulnerable, be honest with people, talk about what you're struggling with. Do not give the typical response of, oh, it's fine. I'm doing good. Whatever else. Be real. Also, this comes on the other side. Maybe there's a reason that people don't want to be vulnerable. And perhaps that reason is we're too um, harsh. Perhaps we don't consider someone else's opinion or point of view. Maybe if someone says that they're struggling with mental health, we already have our preconceived notions that mental health or whatever else is made up. That's a really unfortunate opinion to take. But if people, if you really think that, if, if that is a, um, if people think that you think that about them, they're going to really struggle to be open and upfront and honest with you. So consider, are you the type of person that if someone comes up and they tell you something really vulnerable about themselves, are you going to heartfelt, like really genuinely care about their situation and care about their plight and seek to help them in all the ways that you can? Is that the type of person you are? Is that the type of Christian you are? always draws me back to Galatians 6 where he calls on us to bear one another's burdens we can't bear one another's burdens if no one's talking about their burdens and we can't bear one another's brother burdens if no one is willing to carry the burden
being lonely as a Christian, maybe that comes with, you know, you're single and other people are married or something else. But ultimately, when it comes to the church, we're not to be lonely. This community is not a book club. It is not a, I'm going to sit here on Sundays, get some stuff, and then come back on Wednesday, and then I'll be done. It is finding a way that I spend time with these people who I have the ultimate thing in common with. And that is that our Lord and our Savior sacrificed on our behalf. And it's his love that draws us together. We need to make sure that that is true. Being lonely happens. It is a reality for the world. It's a reality in our churches. So what should you do about it? Well, if you see somebody who is on the fringe, they come in late, they sit on the back, they try to exit pretty quickly. Well, what type of person are you trying to be in that situation? Oh, that's just the elder's responsibility. That's just the preacher's responsibility or or a deacon's responsibility. No, it's yours. Someone comes to you and confesses. Oh, well, I need to tell somebody else or that's gossip. But like, you know, there's no way I know how to handle the situation. You can at least pray with them. And take comfort in the fact that they even came to you at all. That's a big deal. In every situation, we need to be considering this person may be lonely. This person may be struggling. They may may be one of the 61% 61 of Americans struggling with loneliness. How can I serve them? How can I make them feel like they belong? Because when they are, when they have found Christ's church, when they have come into this community, they belong. I don't want to come off too mean. Um, I'm just very passionate about this. And I know that uh, this is a place where I need to grow into because uh, I know my responsibilities and sometimes I get too much in my head because I see everybody there and it's like, well, I can't, I can't get to know everybody or whatever else. I haven't tried that though. I haven't tried to get to know everybody. So it's a place I really need to be putting effort in. And especially as someone who's been in a really dark position like that, I know the importance of being there. So it's a place where we can all grow. But I'm thankful for the opportunities that we have to be a church and to be a community. So it's just something we all need to consider. So if you are lonely this week, I would encourage for you to consider your relationship with God and reach out to those who just just try your best. Really seek to find maybe some common ground anywhere. If you're not really feeling lonely, but you do feel like, uh, you know, you've got a strong relationship with God, you've got a kind of firm roots in your church community, look for those who don't and seek to help them feel less lonely. 
This is a really important subject, and seeing how it affects so many Americans, this is a place where the church can really stick out. Because when someone comes into our assembly, that means that they're not a stranger anymore. They've come home. They're with their we're they're with the family. These are brothers and sisters and fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. This is not just some arbitrary book club. This is family. I hope that this podcast has at least encouraged you to think about these things a little bit more and to consider uh, the things that are going on in our society and how us as Christians, how we can shine as a light and as our churches can shine as a light. Thank you guys for listening so much. We appreciate all your listens. Lord willing, Charlie will be back next week so you won't have to hear me babble for 45 minutes or so. So thank for you guys listening. And we hope that this encourages you as you go through your week. Trust God. Seek to get to know other people. I promise you that God will not let you down. Y'all have a blessed one. See you next week.